<laughs> Just this year, I noticed, as I told our people, at prayer, I was sitting by the window, and I found myself open up, opening up the, the curtains, trying to get more light, trying to understand what is happening. I didn't know what was happening. I said, man, I know the lights are on. And I found myself doing one of these numbers. <laughs> and rec recognizing that I'm supposed to be reading, but everything is blurry. I said, I know I got enough sleep. <laughs> Lo and behold, later that evening on another day, my wife offered me a pair of her glasses. <laughs> and I said, I can see! <laughs> and so since that time, I went out and bought five pair. <laughs> Put them in every place, so in case I'm someplace, I'll have a pair of glasses <laughs> when I'm reading. <laughs> Amen. I won't keep you past six o'clock this evening, so we should be out 5.59 p.m. <laughs> I'm going to be reading... Two, two different books. I'm going to be taking the passage of your theme, Approaching God in Prayer, as my title, and reading Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And then I'm going to turn over and read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 14. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. I'll be reading from the New International Version, so if yours reads, reads a little bit different, you just follow along. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been, been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus, which is also the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and, and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading 
city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city, city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. I'm using the same title as your theme, Approaching God in Prayer. You know, if you don't have a prayer life, you have a weak life. If prayer is not part of your daily time or devotion with God, you're lacking in power. Discerning the will of God is critically important to every born-again Christian. I am convinced that the church cannot approach God in the same way that the world tries to approach whatever they are going after. Prayer should never be relegated to an afterthought, nor offered with the attitude, since I've tried everything else, I might as well try prayer. Your attitude towards God should be one of expectation. An expectation that God hears you when you pray. In the book of Acts, the saving of Lydia is said to be the beginning of the church in Philippi. She was from the city of Thyatira in Asia where the Lord initially told Paul that he could not go. Somehow the Lord would not allow Paul and Silas and Timothy to go into the city or the, the continent of Asia, nor Bithynia. And the Bible doesn't tell us why. But Paul heard from the Lord. Thyatira was a city of the province of Asia. The Lord did not initially allow him to go there, although later on he did. Thyatira was famous in the ancient world for its purple dye. This dye was in high demand by royalty and nobility. And it was Lydia this Lydia from the province of Asia, who was at the place of prayer when Paul meets her. The first point, if you're writing it down, that, you, that we're going to cover today is following the instructions of the Lord without being anxious. Following the instructions of the Lord without being anxious. I, I, I was a, sometimes an anxious little kid. There are times when I would start thinking about something and worrying about something and couldn't go to sleep and recognize the next day the problem was still there. I don't know how old I was. I know I was a teenager, and I remember saying to myself, this is crazy. Can't go to sleep at night because I'm worrying about something. And I remember from that time, I said, Lord, I'm going to put this into your hand. I start getting good sleep. 
I ain't got no hair now, but I used to have hair. <laughs> and this ain't, this ain't from not worrying. My mom just, you know, she had a receiving hairline, so this just came later. <laughs> I get jealous of people who still have all their hair. I ain't talking about everybody like Derek and Jonathan and Steve. And I ain't calling no names, though. <laughs> Prior to Paul commencing his second missionary journey, he initially spoke to Barnabas and suggested that they go back and visit the places that they first had gone on their first missionary journey. After a sharp dispute between Paul and Barnabas about whether or not they should take John Mark, who had deserted them, John Mark got homesick, said, I'm going home out here in these rough seas. Missionary, I ain't, I'm going home. And so when it's time for the second missionary journey, Barnabas, the relative of John Mark, wants to take him along, and Paul, and Paul says, no way. He deserted us. He ain't going. And so a dispute arose between these two men who had initially been prayed over by the church and sent out got so sharp that they parted company. Barnabas took John Mark and went one way, and Paul chose Silas, who had initially, if you read Acts 15, was one of the ones who had taken the letter of the council to Antioch to tell them about what the Gentiles needed to do. And, and so, so, so Paul took Silas, who was the replacement of Barnabas, and then they went to a place called Derby at Lystra where they were told about a young man by the name of Timothy. And so we are introduced to Timothy. And Paul takes Timothy as a replacement of John for John Mark. While Paul was trying to enter Asia and Bithynia, the Holy Spirit tells Paul, no, you can't enter that place. Paul then, in a vision, sees a man in Macedonia asking for his help, and Paul concludes that God has called them to go there. So they come to the city of Philippi. Philippians was Paul's letter of joy to the church that was established back in the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you will see on Paul's missionary journeys, he's going various places. And then the letters that Paul writes is to the churches that were established back in the book of Acts. Philippi became the first European city to have its first convert. The city that is said to be the first place where Paul established the first church was on this European continent. Paul must have been thinking why the Lord had prevented him from going to the place, to the places that he initially was trying to go into. God doesn't say, but you know what? Paul obeyed. And one of the things I am, I am sure of is that Paul was hearing the voice of God. He heard the Lord. He heard the Holy Spirit. And it is critical when you hear the Lord that you obey. See, Paul wasn't like some of us. We know God is telling us something, but we've got a different agenda. 
We got a different plan. We sometimes tell God, I can't hear you. There are times when my kids acted like they couldn't hear me when, they were, when I was calling them. I know they can hear me. There was one day, I was, you know, since my daughter's here, I told them the last week too, but I'll tell this one. There was one day that her mother called her. I happened to be sitting in the dining room near the dining room, and I could see the stairs. And for whatever reason, her mother said, Sherelle, Sherelle, I saw Sherelle walk up the stairs like she didn't hear her mother calling her. I'm here watching this. And I go, Sherelle, yes? <laughs> Did you hear your mother calling you? I saw you walking. Just get back down here. <laughs> I don't know why she didn't want to answer. Maybe she, she was going to think she's going to want me to do something. So if I don't hear her, I won't have to do it. <laughs> I'm assuming that was it. But we told her, when you are called, you need to make sure that you answer. God is not calling your name just because he wants to call your name. When God calls your name, he wants to get your attention. Don't think God don't know your name. Now, you can tell me your name three and four times, and by the time you turn around and go back to your seat, I forgot it. And then I'm embarrassed to ask you and hoping somebody will say your name that I overhear and I can say, oh, that's it. Thank you, Lord. I know y'all do that too. And Lord forbid that months should go by and nobody said a name. And I can't remember that person's name. God doesn't have that problem. If you note in Acts, when the Holy Spirit told Paul, he said, Paul, no. Paul didn't get anxious. Paul didn't get worried nor concerned, but Paul obeyed. There are times when in our anxiousness to have something, when God may be saying, no, it's not the right time, that we push the answer of the Holy Spirit aside and do the very thing that God said for us not to do. We push the Holy Spirit aside because in our anxiousness, we decide we've got to do it. We've got to do it. God is taking too long. It's got to be done now. But Paul doesn't do that. We sometimes believe that our anxiousness is God-inspired. And we go running off after something based on a feeling shooting through our body. Ain't got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. The Lord has told me. No, he hasn't. Sometimes he does, but sometimes we are going because we feel something. Maybe you didn't get a good enough sleep. I don't know. But we sometimes put something on God that is not what God has said. And when it doesn't work out, we then blame God. Rather than looking on the inside and say, God, did I get it right? There are sometimes God says no, and you've got to be in tune with God to hear his word when he says no and be willing to obey because God knows what he's doing. 
You see, God knows all the details. He's already worked it all out. He already knows exactly what needs to take place. He already had Paul's life already mapped out. And all Paul had to do was follow what the Lord said, whether it was in jail, whether it was on the sea, wherever, as long as he was doing what God said, God had his back. <laughs> That's what we need to understand. No need to be anxious. Some of us approach every situation like it's a crisis. Because it might, you know, it, it's like this. Some people live in a crisis state. Everything's a crisis. Going to the bathroom is a crisis. Approaching a green light is a crisis because it might turn red before I get to the light. Do I get there? It's a crisis. I rebuke you, Satan, for turning that light red when I was coming. Everything is a crisis. That's how some people live. They live in this kind of state to where God is always, God always has to be in a hurry. But if you notice, God does not hurry for anybody, in case you did not know. He just sits back and takes his time. And your anxiousness does not change God's heart nor mind. He'll let you go through your fits. He'll let you go through all the details. And then say, you done? All right, now let's get back on course and do what I told you to do. That's just how God is. Now, Paul responded in obedience when he received a word from the Lord. See, disobedience will often cause you to be anxious. But when you are in the will of God, there is no need to be anxious. The Philippians were dealing with persecution. And so for them, one could understand why they might have this sense of being anxious. But when Paul wrote that letter to them, he, he even told them from a Roman prison, don't be anxious about anything. Now, he could write that from a prison. And some of us in our freedom can go where we want. Don't have the freedom that Paul had. Prayer should always focus the attention on God. Prayer should always focus our attention on God. See, when Paul was able to hear the Lord, it's because he had been spending time with the Lord previously. You see, there are some things that happens in your life that you want a quick answer for that you can't get. Because you haven't spent adequate time in prayer. When I think of Daniel, and he prayed that God would show him and give him an answer, the Bible said that the answer was sent immediately. But it took three weeks before the answer arrived. But during that time, while he's waiting, and fasting, he continued to pray. Didn't say, God didn't come through. I am done praying. I ain't praying no more. God didn't answer my prayer. I quit. No, 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 no. 
Daniel continued to pray. And then the Lord dispatched another angel in order to get the answer to Daniel. You see, the Bible says that as soon as he heard Daniel's prayer, the answer was sent. But you see, sometimes there's a delay in regards to the answer. Your, your prayerfulness and your faithfulness and obedience to God is so vitally important because it allows God, God to continue to get ready to send you the answer. The answer may be sent long before, but it may take a while before you see the results. A delayed answer does not mean a no answer. A no answer does not mean a yes answer. Some of us hear no, and we go and do it anyway. And down the road, because God had a plan and you didn't see all the consequences, there are all kind of traps in that situation that you could never have imagined. Only thing you saw was that it looks good right now. And I'm going to go get it. But when you get it, and on your way back, there are all kind of pits, all kind of turns, all kind of problems. And then we say, down the road, if I had known, <laughs> if I had known, I never would have done that. God told you no. He knew. You disobeyed. And you received the reward <laughs> for your disobedience. Many people pray and get up and walk in direct disobedience to God. This will never give you a good lasting result. But it often does give you a lifetime of heartaches. Paul learned how not to be anxious when waiting on the Lord. He, he, he could give God the, the problem and, this, and then just go do what the Lord says. Second point, going to the place of prayer. Just going to the place of prayer. When Paul and his companions had received instructions from the Lord, you don't hear them wondering if they are in the right place or doing the right thing. On the day when the church is to come together, that's where they want to be and that's where they are. Now in Philippi at this time in the book of Acts, there was no synagogue. There was not a large Jewish community. In this place. In order to start a synagogue, there needed to be ten, at least ten adult males to start a synagogue. In Paul's travel, you will often see him going to the synagogues on the Sabbath. But on this day, when he goes to Philippi, he goes outside the city to the river where there was a place he heard about a prayer. I think that Paul must have made some inquiry. I think he inquired, where do they gather? Where, where do the saints gather together? You see, in Philippi, 
In order to have a religion brought into the city, it had to get approval. So, these women are meeting outside the city by the river. And guess what? It's women that's meeting outside by the river. It was women that Paul went to go meet with. That wasn't the cultural norm. <laughs> but that's where Paul went. Where is prayer taking place? I tell you this. Man, let a concert come up. Let a party come up. I hear the word, where's the party? Point a person in the direction. They'll find it. Ain't got to have an address. With, with, with music. I'm going right there. There's the music. I hear it. Getting, getting closer. People will travel long distances for a party and music. But prayer? They can roll out of bed. And be in the church. Can't make it. But church, I want you to pray for me. Oh, pray for me. <laughs> Holly, pray. I will pray. I will pray. Some of you, I told you, some of you, I don't tell everybody how I pray. I pray, God, don't answer some of them prayers. <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking about Sunday mornings. I'm talking about something that when I drive around Marin City and they go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be coming one day, Pastor. I'm going to be coming one day. Lord, make them come is my prayer. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Oh, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. I am going to pray. But you may not like to pray. I pray. <laughs> I recall this one time. I began praying for a person. And I said, Lord, turn their life upside down. Just just bring them to yourself. My prayer was for the purpose of them getting saved. So my prayer is that God do anything you need to do to save them. I saw this person one day. That's when the front was still there. In the parking lot of that front, I happened to be talking to him. And I said I've been praying for him. He said, man, I knew something was going on. Everything wrong was going wrong was going in my life. He said, everything was happening. And I said to myself, wow. <laughs> this thing really do work, man. Give me that. There was another person. I, we used to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to the church. I would go pick her up on the hill. And say, we would come out of her pajamas. Go to the church in the office and pray. Go on my little white Volkswagen that I bought from my dad for $300 and made payments on it. <laughs> I can make payments on $300 and a $300 car. Go pick her up. Go to the church. And we were praying for this person. And we were praying and got up. I forgot how many mornings. Then go back to, I go home and go back to bed and get ready to go to school. I recall one day this person said, I don't understand why I can't sleep. 
We were praying that God disturb this person's sleep. That was our prayer. Disturb their sleep. Don't let them. And when I heard that, me and this person looked at each other. <laughs> because we wanted God to do a work in their lives. God does something. Let me share one final thing and I'll continue on and be out of here in a moment. I'm sitting in my kitchen. That was my place of prayer right underneath Sherelle's room. <laughs> so there was no problem with her hearing me. <laughs> my son Quinlan was a little room, a little bit to the side, and he was like, oh, Dad, and put a chill over his head. <laughs> but you know something? They would say, Leah, that I enjoyed, and that's something they remembered. I thank God for that. But I recall this one day, and I even told my sister this. There was a person that I needed to hire at the office. As I'm sitting there praying, I said, God, I need, to, I need an answer. I need to know who to hire. I need an answer to this prayer. And, 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 and as I prayed, and a couple of weeks had gone, I said, Lord, I've got to make a decision today. And there are a couple of people I said, Lord, help me to know. As I was sitting in that kitchen, Facing the stove with the light out, I recall vividly, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, either one. You know you're going to be praying, you hear a word of the God, you go, hmm? You stop, you're praying, and you, hmm? Lord, did I hear you right? He said, either one that I was contemplating. Do you know the relief? And I run, honey, honey, man, man. the Lord answered my prayer. <laughs> and that was so much, that was such confidence. But the answer came on the day that the decision needed to be made. Some of us get in a hurry sometimes for God to answer, and the answer might not come until you in your obedience, you're walking in the direction that God said to go. As those lepers were healed, some of them, the Bible says they were healed as they went. Your obedience provides your healing. Keep it in mind. I'm going to skip over some things so I can just get through here. In the book of Philippians... Paul adds an interesting word about how we are to present our request to God. He says, when we are praying, it is to be done with thanksgiving. You know, when we pray during the week at the church, we take the request on that Sunday and we pray for them. And the Lord wants us to pray with a heart of thanksgiving and expectation. Paul said that when you present your request to God, he says, pray with thanksgiving. You know, it can be hard to thank God in the midst of the battle. But Paul knows what he's talking about, and he says, offer your requests and petitions with a heart of thanksgiving. Point three, and we'll be done. The peace of God, 
our guard. The peace of God, our guard. The world will never have peace when the king of peace is missing. I don't care how much you pray for peace. The world cannot have peace when the king of peace is not part of the equation. Some people are saying, I just need peace. Make sure first the king of peace is living on the inside. You see, peace is an, is an, is an eternal uh, thing. It, it's something that we have, have to have on the inside. Hell could be worn on the outside, but as long as you got the peace of God, you could weather the storm. If you were praying that, praying that this world would have peace without the condition <laughs> that this world surrenders to the peace giver, it's a futile prayer. They must surrender to the peace giver. There cannot be peace without God. The world only knows chaos without God. And this was firmly established back in the book of Genesis with the fall. And things have only gotten worse. You would think that the world, after thousands of years, could get it right. They've had long enough to work on it. They still ain't got no peace. Ain't got no peace. Have you realized that some people don't want the answer to their question or their problem? You start trying to give them, I don't want to hear that. Ain't the answer I want. Give me another answer. You are wonderful. Thank you. That's what I want to hear. You are a sinner and on your way to here. I don't want to hear that. I'm a good person. Well, my Bible says that your righteousness is like filthy rags. And I ain't going to tell you what filthy rags is talking about either. But filthy rags. Come see me later and I'll tell you what it means. Every good person gets to go to heaven. God is so good he wouldn't send anybody to hell. You're choosing to go there. He's made all the provisions. And he said, all you got to do is accept me. Everybody can benefit and everybody can afford it. The peace of God. The peace of God is our guard. Let the storms of life come and allow the peace of God to guard you. You know, when you've got a guard, it serves as a protector. There must be several things, that there may be several things trying to get to you, but that guard will keep the danger away. Remember, your peace is faulty. It has cracks and holes in it. But the peace of God transcends all understanding. God's peace is a kind that will have Paul and Silas praying at midnight, singing songs in a stinky prison with their legs shackled, saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. They can sing this prayer at midnight. They can say prayers to the King of glory because they know in whom they trust and who guards their hearts and their minds. And when the Lord begins to shake things, 
Everybody going to know that they're being servants in the house of God, praying, or in, even in a prison, praying. <laughs> God's peace is the kind of peace that will make other people stop and say, Why aren't they cracking up? I know what's happening in their lives. Why aren't they responding in this way? Because they have the peace of God. The peace of God will keep you even when your own self-destructive thoughts and you are at your weakest point from taking over your mind and causing depression to set in. God's peace. You can't understand it. It surpasses all your understanding. And it will guard and keep you. That's the peace that the world needs to have. Approaching God in prayer is not an option for the believer. It must be a way of life. May God bless you.